You are listening to the IoT for All Media Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IoT for All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, and today we have actually two guests from Pod Group, the CEO, Sam Colley, and Felix Antanian, the Director of Research and Innovation, both of which have a ton of experience in the IoT space. For those of you who may be unfamiliar with Pod Group, they are an enterprise network operator, an ENO, dedicated to providing IoT connectivity solutions to put ownership of the IoT network into the hands of the enterprises by offering managed services on both public and private spectrums. So today we're going to talk a little bit about enterprise network operator, what that means, kind of strategy behind it, why it's important, as well as talking a bit high level around the barriers to adoption, the barriers to deployment that we've seen in IoT and how we can also overcome them. Um, And then we finally wrap up about the new acquisition that they just recently went through and the importance of that and what that kind of means for Pod Group's future. Before we get into that, customers choose Losant because it's unique low-code approach to application development offers a level of agility and speed to market that is hard to find anywhere else. Losan provides a foundation and lets you focus on delivering the IoT applications your customers require. Start now and see how the Internet of Things can transform your business. Visit losant.com, L-O-S-A-N-T.com. And without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the IoT for All podcast. Welcome, Sam and Felix, to the IoT for All podcast. Thanks for being here this week. No worries. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'd love it if we Thank could you, start off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's start off by having you both kind of go go around and give a quick introduction about yourself, maybe background experience, things we think would be really interesting and relevant for our audience to get a better sense of who they're speaking to. And, and Sam, let's start with you. Sure. Yeah. So, um, yes, obviously, Sam, Colleen, I've been in in IoT for ten years now, I think. Um, so started with Pod um, in in our European office, actually, uh, and then kind of moved uh to the us about eight years ago and, and now on on the west coast and and really kind of been in this connectivity journey um pretty much since i guess iot started to become more mainstream uh, i mean it was still m2m i think back then so it was it was a while back and you know certainly there were no billboards with iot on like there are now so there was like even less context when people asked what i did sure. uh, but now i can kind of point to those as you're driving along the highway but um but yeah, so I think, you know, just been kind of really seen the evolution, obviously been through the kind of the period of hype around IoT, which, um, you know, obviously hasn't necessarily been achieved yet. But but still, I think, you know, it will be one day once once things start coming together. And um, yeah, it's been a really interesting journey. And, and I've kind of seen, you know, all the different parts of the ecosystem evolve and, and seen kind of like the new technologies come along and and you know it's been been really interesting to, to 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 see that and be part of that. So yeah, that's kind of my my background. Fantastic, Felix. So I'm Felix Antañón, the director of research and innovation for Pod Group. I'm being in IoT for eight years, more or less now. Started uh, working for Pod and implementing the uh, first version of the connectivity management platform. Okay, okay. that we have. We are having okay and offering the third version of the platform far way ahead okay of what uh, i started to implement like a eight years ago okay so as a director of research and implement uh, and innovation what i've been trying to do it's uh, combining and getting into port the most advanced sim technologies so today we have a eycc sim implemented and the eno sim that i think something we will be maybe discussing today absolutely um, Sam, let me throw this question over to you real quick. Just can you talk through the company a little bit more for our audience so they can kind of get a sense of uh, more about Pod Group if, for instance, they 
aren't as familiar as others are. I'd love to hear just kind of more about the background, the story, and what you all are doing now, and kind of the overall focus and impact you have on the IoT space. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, Pod Group um, has been around in some form or another for for nearly um, well over twenty years now. Originally, it was um, a hardware company in in very very early M2M. So it was actually connected lockbox for for deliveries and uh, and 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 post and post people. And um, I think that was kind of before the age of Amazon. So I think maybe almost like a little ahead of its time. It was like you could unlock it with an SMS. Um, and so sure. they. I think turned out not to be too much demand for it. And then about uh, 10, 11 years ago, it kind of um, moved on from the hardware business and then started to focus on on this global connectivity as, as IoT began to kind of, as I say, really kind of start to scale and this need for, for global connectivity or, or more than just local connectivity became uh, more apparent. And so, you know, the so pod essentially at that moment in time became a, a global MVNO um you know in in the traditional sense kind of you know working with different carriers and, and reselling their services and then really since then it's really been trying to kind of evolve what it was you know in that uh, mvno space as felix mentioned you know we kind of really implemented a a, a good cmp very early on and, and then that's evolved into something a lot bigger and, and more impressive now um and really tried to expand globally to make sure we're kind of we are able to provide you know a very flexible nimble uh, connectivity service um and so you know we now have offices in you know we have offices in spain uk um california uh, one in central america as well or mexico and then also one in hong kong and so you know really kind of expanded globally to be able to provide that local service uh, around the world and then um Beyond that, you know, in the last few years, we've kind of looked at what was happening in the connectivity space and the MVNO space and kind of, and the MNO space and kind of looked at what was kind of needed to really achieve the scalability in, in uh, IoT. And so we've kind of evolved this concept into what we call now the, the enterprise network operator concept, which is okay. really kind of something uh, new in the market and it is still very much a concept, but the focus of it is really to deliver uh, ownership of the different elements of, of IoT to the enterprises so they can manage them directly. So really that's kind of the journey of POD. And then as we, you know, we were recently acquired as well by, by G&D, that you know, concept we really want to evolve into other parts of the ecosystem as well which maybe we'll talk about a bit later as well yeah absolutely and you know we were going to kind of i was planning on talking about the, the eno strategy a little bit later but maybe we can jump into that now since you've kind of segued there a little bit from um, a background standpoint and felix maybe you can you can jump in and talk a little bit more about what the enterprise network operator strategy actually is why it was built kind of the opportunity that was seen in the in the market to, to bring this to light. And then um, and then we can dive a little bit more into maybe the benefits and kind of the, uh, versus kind of what's out there in the market. And Sam, feel free to jump in at any point as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, from, as Sam said, okay, so the basically the strategy with the enterprise network operator, it's uh, providing to the hardware manufacturers, distributors, so the people that are actually at using the connectivity for IoT projects, providing them with all the capabilities that an MVNO like a pod, okay, already have, because sure. we have the control of the connectivity, we have the control of the SIM card, and there's a lot of stuff, okay, a lot of power that even we, okay, as an MVNO, we already have. So providing all that capabilities. So our, uh, the hardware manufacturers, distributors, the people that are actually doing the IoT projects, they can uh, benefit and being their own operator, I would say, okay, that's a, a pretty good point, okay, from ENO. So uh, one of the aspects is the SIM itself that uh, for a lot of people, 
uh, would believe okay that the same is just that passive element that you insert into the device for providing you with connectivity but it is actually a pocket-sized device that the operator control and that small sim it can provides with a computational power cryptographic abilities and benefiting from that capability the sim have for implementing applications embedded applications inside of the sim card that can solve and help with iot challenges it's one of the propositions of the eno concept under the eno sim that right. we are create, uh, developing and just to expand on that so really i think to felix's point you know what what the eno concept really is is about as i mentioned before delivering the ownership and control to you know it could be hardware manufacturers or it could be the enterprises themselves and that goes you know through the platform the connectivity the network and as we've kind of seen the evolution of private networking particularly in the us you know with cbrs and and then in europe as well with a big push right. towards like campus networks and industrial iot there's a need for a lot more visibility and control of the network uh, for these enterprises. And so, you know, we've got the the SIM card, and I think there's lots of elements on that that are needed to really kind of deliver the ENO strategy. Like Felix said, the eSIM element, you know, the, the cryptographic security element, um, and then also kind of the idea of zero touch provisioning. But, you know, lots of people talk about that from the perspective of just connectivity, you know, right. global SIM, you know, zero touch provisioning. But what we're talking about is the ability to basically program your device like the APN, the ports, the IPs via the SIM channel securely without having to pre-configure any of it in the device. So, you know, it kind of simplifies the whole supply chain uh, from that perspective as well. And then, you know, as we talked about private net, as I talked about private networks before, you know, particularly kind of in industrial IoT, you know, there's a big need for local campus networks. Again, in supply chain logistics, it can be big at factories, but there's also this requirement to roam on, roam off and access the macro networks as well. So, you know, right. be more than just an island deployment. And so at the core network level, as an enterprise network operator, we've done a lot of integration to allow this roam on, roam off concept at, at the at the private and public network level. Um, and then also obviously then deliver all of that in the platform for management by the actual um, enterprise or, or, or hardware manufacturer themselves. Right. So really that's the kind of example of what how an ENO is slightly different is that it's kind of yeah, delivering the control and ownership to the enterprise as opposed to kind of keeping it behind you know a closed door. Yeah, and, and what would most enterprises um, use that for or what, what would they benefit out of being able to do that as opposed to kind of the uh, existing strategy and, op and offerings out there in the market now? Yeah, I mean, each of the different elements, I think, has different benefits. I mean, uh, you know, at the SIM card level and having more control, you know, with eSIM, with zero touch provisioning and things, obviously, that's just kind of you know simplifying their own supply chain you know they don't have to manage multiple SKUs of sims you know they can truly provision local services on a single global SKU, gotcha. or they can use global services and they can then update that remotely you know in terms of the sim applications you know the zero touch provisioning you know if you imagine you were as an enterprise you had five applications each of them you know required to speak to different clouds or have different configs on the device if you have to manage the if you have to program those in batches of 2000 you know that is one of the biggest challenges actually to for iot is actually the configuration of these devices you know and customizing the configuration whereas you know if you can just program them all the same way deliver them to the factory and when it turns on it just pulls its config down you know via the sim channel you know there's a massive amount of uh, efficiencies there that can be created and then on the private network side it's really 
what we're doing today is private LTE networking, but you know that's just a precursor to 5G. And I think you know 5G will, to some extent, you know probably revolutionise the the way that you know IoT devices are managed and sure. you know the ability to slice your network, control additional security, um, all in you know the hands of the enterprise behind their firewall is hugely advantageous for them. And I think that's something. So the security side is something really that, that a lot of enterprises have said is kind of almost holding them back from deploying IoT because of the fear of, you know, the consequences of a security breach you know, right. with all that information. Could you take me um, through a little bit about um, kind of who your target customer and audience is when you're approach or I guess implementing this strategy and then at the same time, from a use case perspective, what are some use cases that maybe you're comfortable sharing with our audience that um, your customers and clients are are deploying that you're actively involved in? Yeah, I think it, it's pretty broad. I mean, we're relatively horizontal in terms of the use sure. cases sure. for which we, we work in. But, you know, particularly, I think, you know, around the ENO, you know, we are, I mean, we've, traditionally we've been very focused and, 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 and worked with a lot of SMBs and helped them kind of go from being small companies to scaling into big IoT companies. And, and you know, we want to continue doing that as we move forward. Um, you know, with the ENO strategy, we've been talking a lot more to some larger enterprises, um, had some good success in the utility space, for example, where we're working to deliver, particularly on, you know, the, the private networking side and this kind of ability to migrate from private to public or public to private even uh, you know as you know private networks are deployed um, and then you know even just kind of in as the kind of like traditional businesses like tracking for example or logistics kind of evolve you know they're becoming slightly more complex in themselves you know we're moving into like dash cams and things like that which require a completely different usage profile and that's where this control of the sim remotely to update you know, cost control for the customer is really important. And then, you know, we're seeing a lot now in retail as well, um, where, again, just the, the level of control at the at the local level is really important. So I don't know, Felix, if you've got anything to add to that in terms of where you see the use cases coming in from, from the device, you know, testing that we've done, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I would like to... Uh, to add a little bit more okay, on the uh, an additional case okay, that we have with uh, the ENO SIM, so uh, leveraging the capabilities of the cryptographic elements inside of the SIM card, regardless or uh, beside of the zero touch provision and functionality, so the SIM helping devices to download configurations from cloud, very the first time you switch on, there's another uh, capability that the SIM, the ENO SIM can help with and that we are uh, uh, using okay with some customers, which is if you want to opt for a cheaper hardware and reducing the manufacturing cost of your device, mm -hmm. but you are going to use cellular connectivity, the SIM card will be there. And the SIM card, it's a cryptographic chip. So on the ENO SIM, what we have implemented is an embedded application inside on the SIM card so the device can send the temperature sensor, uh, humidity, whatever, okay, the measurement, the SIM card encrypts the data and orders the module, the device, to upload the uh, measurement encrypted to the cloud. That way, you do not have to implement the HTTP and TLS crypto connectivity stack on your device firmware because the SIM card will be there and, that, and can implement that part releasing more capabilities of your devices for doing more smart stuff with sensors mm -hmm. or for opting for cheaper hardware. 
So if you are opting for cellular connectivity and concerned about the device man manufacturing expenses, why not take right. leveraging okay, that capabilities of the crypto chip with SIM card S? Fantastic. Yeah, thank you guys for kind of diving into that a little bit more. I was very curious to kind of understand how that all works, uh, how it's being applied and kind of, uh, you know, how it compares to, to what's going on in the market now from an offering perspective. So that's great. I did want to break off from that just briefly. Um, we might come back to it in a second, but um, talk a little bit more high level about a topic I think would be really interesting to get your all's perspective on. And that's just if, if we look at the IoT market and where it's come, I know, Sam, you've been involved in the space for, for a very long time. Um, if we can talk about the barriers that you all have seen through your experiences um, regarding what has really prevented IoT from reaching uh, its full potential. Um, you know, there's been a lot of projections on how many deployments we're going to have, how what kind of adoption is going to look like and so forth. But there are a lot of different barriers that are kind of restricting that from happening, whether it's um, whether it's the the market being kind of at times very fragmented, the technology seeming complex, you name it. I'm sure there's a lot of interesting kind of angles that you all could kind of approach this from. So I'd love it if Sam, you could kind of start us off by just talking through what barriers you've seen through throughout your experience and currently now to um, to IoT really reaching those those projected deployment numbers and adoption that we've kind of been promised for so many years. Sam, I'm sorry. actually, yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, and yes, I think you touched on a couple of really important ones uh, just then um, in terms of like the fragmentation and, and things like cost. And I think, you know, they're starting to be addressed now, but not necessarily completely. And we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel in many ways. But, you know, there's still a lot of confusion, I think, in terms of the communication that's used, the terminology that's used. I mean, if we just look at the, the term eSIM alone, you know, like it can be used in five different ways to mean five different things. It can mean just the eSIM on the actual, you know, the physical SIM card. It can mean, you know, the technology. It can mean a profile, you know, and really there's no or never been clear communication around, you know, you know, how terminology should be used and that, you know, we get questions from customers and, you know, it takes a while to educate them on that and, and, and for them to really understand the power of, of what eSIM actually is or, or UICC actually is. And then, you know, the same kind of confusion applies to network technologies, you know, MBIoT, CAD-M, you know, is it globally deployed? No, you know, can you access it anywhere? No, and yet that's not really kind of, it's communicated as the future, but not necessarily, people aren't necessarily told that, you know, this isn't available in every country. You know, like right. if you want a global application, you're gonna need some level of 2G fallback. And yet, you know, they're 90% of the way through their their device kind of build and, and development. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, I need to rethink this. And, you know, there's still a lot of, I think, poor and confusing communication by a lot of, you know, different providers out there for sure. Um, I think some of the standards have been somewhat underwhelming as well, just in terms of like the implementation at the GSMA level maybe. And, you know, when you look at how even EUICC is, was standardized initially, you know, it's kind of the reliance of, on SMS is kind of interesting. And, you know, is that a technology that we should be relying on when, you know, the future is data and, you know, is that holding things back because it makes the deployment somewhat clunky and those right. sorts of things as well. I mean, they're kind of very small things in a big market, but they're important when it comes to scalability um, and adoption, I think. Um, but, you know, in terms of the broader things, I think 
yeah fragmentation is is huge you know there's new technologies new platforms every day and you know hardware software and connectivity really needs to be you know talking to each other constantly and that all the data coming off it and and the way that they interact needs to be seamless and i think you know that's one of the big things that we're looking to kind of address moving forward and we feel that as a connectivity provider we can sit perfectly in the middle there and you know right. almost orchestrate between these platforms and you know the device management piece that the enosim brings is our first step towards you know moving into that so you know i think that and interoperability, you know, there's so many things we could talk sure, about for, sure, for probably sure. 25 minutes alone. But um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Now, now, let me ask you, when when you all work with companies, and this is something that we haven't really covered too much about, uh, we've maybe touched on here and there, but when a company adopts IoT, there's a certain kind of skill set and certain understanding of the technology that often is required by that customer, by the end user and so forth. How have you seen that play into barriers for adoption? Um, I mean, obviously, we can you can go down the path of talking about you know just the resistance from a legacy standpoint uh, or legacy infrastructure standpoint. But then, but I'm thinking more along the lines of individual knowledge skills that are needed within an organization to help these uh, um, IoT solutions be not just adopted but also utilized to their fullest extent. Um, and as the company grows, how they can kind of expand on that. And I feel like that's a skill set that's really required within an organization to truly benefit. I'd be curious to kind of get your thoughts on kind of how you see it. Yeah, I think it's it's a good point. And I think, you know, one of the things we did some work with one of the analysts a few years ago, and that's really one of the reasons the CNO strategy also came about is, okay. you know, the lack of these expertise or in-house knowledge of how to digitize or implement these, implement, you know, networks and, and, right. and you know, platforms, et cetera, um, to really manage and scale IoT within, you know, their own company or their, their own enterprise. And so, you know, I think it is a huge challenge because it is a, you know, an additional budget that lots of people don't necessarily consider. Um, they want, you know, the benefits and cost savings of, of, of IoT and the efficiencies, but maybe, you know, they haven't got the initial budget to invest. And I think with the Enos, Eno strategy or Eno strategy and, and the platform that we're trying to build is to try and take a lot of that administrative burden or internal requirement, in-house okay. requirement off the enterprise and kind of deliver them with a much more seamless kind of connect, mm. well, I guess, IoT management platform eventually sure. um, so that, you know, you don't quite need the same level of expertise, right? You don't need someone to manage five different things. You can have one person managing all of that centrally, you know, via a single pane of glass. And I think, it, it it's a real challenge for enterprises, I think, and it is one of probably another one of the reasons that that yeah, you know, there's been lots of stops and starts, right? Enterprises dipping their toes, realizing maybe they're not equipped, and, and you know, then right. pulling back because maybe they're not 100% convinced of the value and, and return when they have to make that investment. I don't know, Felix, if you've got anything to add there from a more technical perspective. Well, actually, what I think is that I. Um... Developing, implementing a, an, an IoT project, uh, it requires a, a variety, actually, of skills. First, okay, uh, uh, you need the domain knowledge of the problem you are trying to solve. So the IoT vertical, either it's agriculture or uh, tracking positioning, um, utilities, industrial, okay? That's very necessary because you're implementing uh, an IoT project for solving a business problem or a, an enterprise problem, actually. Um, along with that, what I, from my perspective, I think that uh, some companies has more uh, 
that are implementing the IoT projects, they are more uh, focused into building the cloud solution. Then they are lacking the connectivity knowledge and the connectivity challenges. They perceive connectivity as a commodity, maybe, if they are uh, only, if they are focused into implementing the cloud solution or the IoT application uh, on the cloud. Uh, then if the company is more focused into distributing the hardware, for solving different vertical solutions or for different vertical solutions. They are lacking the knowledge on the connectivity as well and maybe on the IoT application development. So it's like a three or four, even four different uh, skill sets, okay? That would be needed okay, from my perspective. Domain of knowledge, hardware, connectivity, and, uh, and, and the platform and software, okay, on the cloud. Right. You, from port, I think that we are covering very well, okay, the connectivity part and also the uh, additional knowledge that we offer to our customers because we know, okay, about the hardware. We care about the hardware of our customers and we right. uh, accommodate the connectivity to their own hardware when onboarding them, uh, helping us to fill, okay, that part. Um, and I think that that's key, okay, for 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 companies in the IoT to to provide not only your part of the knowledge, but being aware, okay, that there's say too many different skill sets, and the more you have, the the more adequate uh, solution or service you will be able to provide, okay, to your partners, staff, customers. Absolutely, I think the um, understanding that yes, a lot of these technologies are complex. Um, the market at times is fragmented, uh, depending on how you look at it. But there is a lot of emphasis to be put on the power and the impact of working with a company like Pod Group and others who really understand the IoT side of it, the, the connectivity side, the hardware side. You know, people work with systems integrators who are kind of in charge of understanding it all. Um, but that, the partnership side of things, I think, is what's really driven this community or, or this industry forward for so many years. And there's a lot of, I think, to be said about the importance of that when companies are out there looking to go find a company to work with is who has the right partners, who has the right understanding of the, um, the, the full scale of a solution needs to be developed. Now, one thing you mentioned um, was the domain authority, which I think is very important as well, but oftentimes that comes from the, the customer because uh, they're the ones living in that space and they're the experts there. So understanding how to really um, digest that information from them and, and collect the right information from them in order to help advise them on the right path forward so that the pieces that are put together for a solution are correctly chosen, whether it's to meet a certain um, you know, ROI or some kind of objective internally for them. Because for them, if they don't have the, if they can't justify from an ROI perspective or they can't get the right buy-in from upper management, it's sometimes that's where it kind of dies at the pilot stage, along with many other reasons as to why that happens. Um, but Sam, I wanted to ask you, what do you think we need to be thinking about or the industry needs to see for a lot of these barriers to to be removed or start to kind of fall down a bit for us to be able to see adoption increase? We've, we've kind of talked a lot about the what those barriers are, but from your perspective, in addition to what you all are doing, are there other things in the industry you think that need to happen for, for adoption to kind of grow and, and those deployments to be more successful? Yeah, I think it kind of touches on some of, of what we talked about before, but I do think to your point that partnerships are really key. I think this this idea of interoperability, you know, you don't, mm -hmm. as a company like Pog Group, we're not going to necessarily own every element of the stack. You know, we, we're not going to build our own IoT platform. You know, there's so many out there already that are doing a great job, sure. but, you know, as a 
customer or as an enterprise, they need to be able to kind of like manage that pretty seamlessly, either from the IoT platform, they need to manage their connectivity from there or and their devices from there and, and possibly even their hardware from there, or they need to be able to do it from, say, the kind of CMP that, that, that we're providing. Um, and so I think, you know, building these partnerships and these kind of integrations across the, the three main silos and, you know, breaking down into super basic level, but like hardware, software and, and connectivity, you know, right. as I mentioned before, they really do need to to be kind of like talking to each other very seamlessly and it can't be a lot of work for the enterprise to do that because to your point you know the technical expertise internally maybe may not be there for them to be able to go and build all of those integrations mm -hmm. and i think you know that's a real challenge i mean we do it you know for a living and it's a challenge you know and and so for yeah. someone just to come and be a you know jump in there and, and try and pull it together is even even more difficult so you know, I do believe that, you know, these partnerships uh, are needed. I think that ecosystem needs to be open. I think it needs to be agnostic. I don't think any, you know, one party can say you have to use us for this and we're not allowing you any flexibility in that because, you know, if that's the case, then you start creating like micro silos and then this interoperability is still lost. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, I think the MNOs are really starting to see that with eSIM that, they, you know, they really need to kind of be less protective over, you know, the network. And if they're delivering a good quality network and, you know, the, you know, at prices that allow IoT to scale, they will be successful even in the world of eSIM where it maybe it's slightly easier for someone to move away from them. But then it puts the the accountability on them to deliver the right service at the right price to the to the customer so they can scale their IoT. And so I think, Absolutely. yeah, so I think there's a lot. Oh, sorry, Ryan, go on. No, no, go ahead and finish, sorry. Yes, this is a lot around, I think that really, and I think that's the first step really is just kind of creating these partnerships, this interoperability, this kind of, yeah, open kind of agnostic type approach to it. And, and that's one of the things we, we kind of believe quite heavily in. And I think, yeah, I think there's no single, and people say it all the time, but there, there's no like single answer to, to fix all, and, you know, one, one single problem. And so really it's kind of opening the eyes of the enterprise to all the different potential uh, services that are available so that they can pick best in class for what they're trying to achieve for yeah. a specific application, but not have to use a different provider, a different platform, have a different you know supplier, but you know can access it via partnerships or whatever else. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, there was a point you made about what companies that you work with not only come in understanding, but also want to know or need to know to be successful. And I think the the easier we can make that buying process and the earlier they or the more knowledge they can come into a conversation with a company like you all um, with at least a base level understanding of what's going on, but then know that the trust or put the trust in you all to put this together, build it, take care of the thing so that they can get back to operating their business and they can start seeing the benefits of the solution that's that would be then developed or and deployed uh, within their organization or for their customers. I think it's very important to also consider is, is how we are um educating them uh the the potential customers but at the same time making the adoption as easy as possible for them because the last thing they want is another system that they have to work with that creates headaches and that drives up costs for them in any kind of capacity so so i think those points are very very valid um and the last thing i wanted to ask you all before we wrapped up here is it now let's tie back the eno strategy that you have and into those barriers that we're talking about which ones does that does does the eno strategy really address in your mind or kind of where was it i guess initially built to address to help bring down some of those key barriers that you are able to have influence over yeah and i think that the eno strategy you know the concepts as well is will, will evolve over time initially we've developed it sure. you know 
primarily to look at you know the the connectivity silo right all of these kind of disparate technologies within that as i say private networks eSIM, multi imsi to some extent global connectivity all these things and then even you know the various different types of pricing models and the billing and administration of those that are needed you know whether it's a two-month bundle a year-long bundle or you know a monthly bundle or all these sorts of things that also weren't really being addressed um you know so initially the you know was kind of just built or, or designed to really simplify the connectivity silo i think mm -hmm. but then as you know obviously it, we progress with that with with that implementation you know you start to touch things like device management and that's where the eno sim comes into it which felix talked about before and so right. then you start to start to solve these problems that aren't necessarily directly related to connectivity themselves but you know mm -hmm. you can start to solve incrementally within the same platform as say the connectivity management and then you know as we've kind of gone down the path of zero touch provisioning you know we started the engagement with more iot platforms you know and so what level of integration is required within you know an iot platform for a customer to be able to use the iot platform to successfully manage their services so sort, sort of starting to look at things from the perspective of the enterprise first and then look at what we can deliver uh, as a service uh, from from the platform point of view so you know i think where it will evolve to is probably very different to what the concept is today but it's trying to move the move the conversation away from megabytes and minutes when people talk to us and how can we kind of help them you know solve other problems within their, their stacks that are somewhat related but not not actually connectivity um, i'm not sure if that answered your question to be honest Ryan, but no, absolutely <laughs> i mean i think anything that we can do to help understand and help showcase things that are being done to bring down those barriers to adoption to those barriers to deployment and i think you know even um some companies are very niche focused and some are more broad focused on what they're able to provide to bring to the market to to help that so i think what you all are doing is, is fantastic in and really helping bring uh, or bring down some of those barriers to to adoption and help companies really understand, um, especially on the connectivity side, what's going on and what's best for their solutions. So that's so that's fantastic. Um, but th so the last thing I want to ask you before we kind of as we finish up here is uh, two things. One is as our listeners out there or watchers now that we're on video um, have more questions, want to follow up, engage further. What's the best way to do that? Um, is is it through email? Is it through LinkedIn? Is there some some part process you like to push them towards? Uh, yeah, I mean, we do have a, a contact form on the website, um, okay. podgroup.com, uh, where people can kind of, you know, put their details in and then we'll reach out to them. But also, yeah, I mean, any of us available on LinkedIn, direct messages are always welcome. And um, uh, and then also we have, we do have, you know, 24-7 phone line that goes straight to like an account manager and, and um, you know, you can just call us and, and we'll be happy to, to help you that way as well. So pretty... Okay. Yeah, pretty much any any way you like to contact us, you can do it, or just direct email as well. I think it's pretty okay. easy to uh, to to do that. So. Okay, and then the, the last thing I wanted to ask is just you know what does the future look like on, on your end? I know we touched on it with the, with the ENO strategy and the potential there, but just generally as a company, I know you all were I believe recently acquired, correct? And what does that kind of do, or or how does that impact kind of the, the future plans for what you have going on? Yeah, so we were um, acquired by by GND. Uh, obviously, you know, one of the leaders in eSIM and, and SIM cards and security in in the market today. I think they have more eSIM platforms deployed than than any other provider in in the world. And and I think, you know, they were really interested in this Eno strategy and and also looking. You know, they've got a great vision. Of, you know, beyond just what they're doing today as well. And I think what initially that 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 acquisition gives us is complete ownership of the 
connectivity stack from the east from the sim os from the plastic itself you know all the way through to the core network that we've implemented uh, and then also the management platform that sits on top of that so you know the amount of kind of technology we can evolve a bit like the eno sim that felix was talking about and you know control over the applets on the sim and and you know control over the eSIM platform and you know starting to kind of i guess um uh, innovate around the existing standards today to deliver more value to the market is is kind of i guess phase one but then into the future you know we're really looking um beyond as i say just the the connectivity piece and and, and looking right. at how we can really help deliver you know value be it at, you know a hardware level or, or an additional software level um in order to kind of yeah, ease the enterprise's burden and, and really accelerate this growth that, mm. that we know IoT can achieve, but is still somewhat behind the expectations. Felix, I don't know if you've got anything to add there. Well, uh, maybe okay for for the future. One of the uh, holy grails, okay, that uh, a lot of uh, people is looking for it's uh, the convergence of a lot of different technologies into something more easy. So, yes. as yeah. you said, Ryan, that people can benefit from uh, out of the shelf okay from all, all this uh, everything okay on iot so one particular aspect okay on this sim card itself is like that i believe that it can play a very good role it's not only me obviously who thinks that in converging device identity device connectivity and device payments mm -hmm. have a look the smart card in the end if the smart card can be the sim card for connectivity an ID card for identity, the credit card for payments. In the end, it's the same ship. Yeah, it's software only. What uh, makes a smart card some, uh, for payments? So, uh, I foresee, given the some uh, research groups and interest groups uh, that, that are already okay, and even from some movements of the GSMA, that something that we might see in the future is that the the SIM card itself, uh, it's turned into a convergence small unit that can host inside. All software so uh, hardware can benefit from making connectivity identity and payments everything inside of the sim i wish okay from pod and now that we are uh, by the hand of gnd okay as well we can help okay in standardizing some of this convergence stuff uh, and, and providing that for for the wide worldwide audience okay that will be great that part of for our interest and the start uh, stuff we are uh, making products okay and research now Fantastic. Well, well, thank you all for that. I think um, yeah, I'm very excited to kind of see w what comes out of out of Pi Group, you know, GND, kind of as we as we progress here. Now that you all are acquired by them, um, and I think a lot of the the things we talked about today are super fascinating that you have going on. So so very excited for our audience out there. Please check out Pi Group. Check um, see what they're doing. Um, reach out if you have any questions or want to consider working with them in some capacity. But uh, but gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to to chat with me today. I think this conversation was fantastic, and um, I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having us, Ryan. Appreciate it. Thank you. Great chat to you. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on the IoT for All podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a rating or review and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Also, if you have a guest you'd like to see on the show, please drop us a note at ryan at iotforall.com and we'll do everything we can to get them as a future guest. Other than that, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.